0: Ephesians 5a, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And I love that, because before he goes any further, look at that, he says you were darkness. Now you are light. And he's saying He's speaking to identity. And he's speaking to our nature. And he's saying, you were darkness. You were spiritually dead. But now you're light, not in the light. You are light. That means you've spiritually come alive. The message of the Bible is not be better. It's not, I could be a little bit better. It's not the difference between being bad and being good. The message of Jesus is the difference between being spiritually dead and spiritually alive. One day being dead or forever being alive. And so I love that. He said, you were darkness, but you've come alive. You are light. And then he quickly says, in the Lord. I love that. Because he's saying, you don't have light in yourself. Like, you don't have your truth. You don't have light, you generate, okay? There's not the God inside you, okay? You're spiritually dead or you're spiritually alive and he is careful to say your light and your life comes from God. So today we invite you into that. He moves on, verse nine, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, helpful, He's saying there are times where you just gotta pray it through. We read the Bible for instruction, but sometimes the Bible doesn't talk about how much social media we should be allowing our kids to have. Right? So here Paul is saying, hey, there's some things that you're gonna encounter. You're gonna need to lean in and use discernment and pray and seek the face of God. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, for when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Scholars believe that this this particular place right here. Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The way that it's set apart, the way that it's in quotations, that they believe that this was a song they would sing over those being baptized in that early church. Can you you see it? As they came out of the water, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Oh, we'd love for you to be baptized at Keystone because when you do, it is awake, O oh sleeper. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Making, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. The days are evil. As you're taking notes, we're in a series called Awaken Sleeper, and the title for today is Leave the Darkness, Live in the Light. Could we pray together? God, you're good, and I thank you for how you have met us already here today. God, I pray if there's any stubborn soul that is resistant to experiencing you today, God, I pray the roadblocks would fall. And I pray that they'd experience the light of your life. And God, I pray that they'd find that we love them. God, if there's anyone here today that they've been hurt or they're confused today, God, I pray that they'd find in you light and life and healing. God, if any of us needs direction, purpose, or an answer, Father, I pray that we turn to the light. And I pray, God, that we as a church would awaken and sleep no more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Awaken, sleeper, is the title of this series of messages. And those last words that I read in Ephesians 5, because the days are evil. We must awaken, O sleeper, because the days are evil. You know, it's shopping time. And some of you went out to take advantage of some of these insane sales. And it was, it was wild out there. It was crazy out there. And there's a lot of marketing going on. I mean, I'm getting twice the spam I ever get. And one particular, it sent me like four things in one day, right? They're really wanting you to get out there and start buying right now because we've turned the corner toward Christmas. Gift giving, choosing that right gift, stretching the dollar, getting the deal, finding the sale. And so companies right now are spending a ton of money trying to lure you in to buy their product. They have been planning these marketing attempts for a long, long time. This is not something they just pop and then all of a sudden you get an email in your inbox. This is a process. Often they go to great lengths, spend a ton of money to say you have to buy this this Christmas. And so when you see an ad campaign, you need to know that there was a lot that went into that. And so it was kind of shocking this past week When Balenciaga, in the midst of the hottest market moment, a moment where everybody's shopping, a moment where you've got to cut through the buzz and buy my shoes or buy my shirt or buy my fashion. It was stunning, it was shocking, and it caused outrage when Balenciaga, this couture, fashion brand, chose an ad campaign that basically had children holding teddy bears dressed in a sexual fetish. If you missed it, you must not be watching the news. (laughs) You've been busy shopping. But the whole world recoiled. They were forced to give an apology And Susan and I were talking about it. This is what we would call a fake apology. Y'all know what a fake apology is? Oh, I'm sorry if, it's already gone bad, if that offended you. So the burden is on you, you thin-skinned person, that if that made you uncomfortable, I'm sorry for you. So just a little relational heads up. When you say, oh, I'm sorry if the way I spoke to you, if it made you uncomfortable, you're saying, I don't think I did anything wrong, but I'm sure you did. And so, you know what? I want to be nice. That's a fake apology. A real apology is we were wrong. We own it. I don't know. It was a blind spot. Forgive me. That's how you guys, I don't see any men writing this down right now, and I just helped you out. <laughs> I was wrong. I don't understand why I did that. And here's the, here's the golden words, forgive me. I still don't see enough men writing this down. <laughs> forgive me. There is a darkness in our culture. The days truly are evil that we would position children in a massive marketing campaign in a sexualized state. Unbelievable. I'm shocked, you're shocked, the whole world was shocked, news media was shocked, but darkness is not limited to one bad idea of a marketing campaign. There's darkness all over the place and we must, according to Paul here, who wrote to the church at Ephesus, we must face the reality that the days are evil and that there is a reality of darkness. There is a drug darkness in our culture. Maybe you're aware of the fentanyl crisis where this deadly drug is pouring illegally by the cartels across our southern border. It's deadly, it's 100 times more potent than morphine, it's 50 times more potent than heroin. Um, they recently were able to uh, capture some, they seized some fentanyl, 48 pounds of fentanyl, and they say that 48 pounds of fentanyl that was seized in October, that that's enough fentanyl to kill half of the population in Florida. That's how dangerous this drug is. And the reason it's a dark crisis is not just because of the danger of the drug. There's a lot of things that are dangerous, But it's the accessibility of the drug. One sheriff in an article I was reading, he said, you could probably find a fentanyl-laced pill within five minutes on social media and probably arrange a meeting within the hour with a dealer. This dangerous drug, so accessible, there is a drug crisis, a drug darkness in our world, there is a human darkness in our world on how we see people, how we treat people, how we use people. Human trafficking rises to the top of the, of the list. Did you know that globally, I was stunned when I saw this, 27.6 million people are trafficked globally right now. 27.6 million people, you know how many people that is? That's more than the state of Florida, just under the state of Texas. million people. Now, when I say trafficked, I'm talking about not just sexual trafficking, meaning you're having to do things against your will sexually, but also labor trafficking, working against your will, coerced or forced labor. 26.7. Of the 27.6 million people who are trafficked, just under 5 million are for sexual trafficking right now globally, just under five million people. And when you dive into it and you begin to see, this is not something way over there. It's in Texas and it's in our city. It's in Texas and it's in our city. We have a human crisis in our world. There's a human darkness with how we use people and treat people. There's a darkness that's emerging with some of the most vulnerable among us, those that are Confused and searching for answers about their own personal identity. People searching for answers, even confused about gender. Let me say this, just go ahead and throw this out here. For anyone that would be confused about sex, confused about gender, confused about attraction or anything like that, I want you to know if you're confused like that, we have some answers and we love, we love you so much we love you. We love you. But we have a culture that is coaching some of the youngest adolescents to experience puberty blockers or even surgery that you can't turn back from later. There's even, maybe you saw it in the news where where someone later in their 20s, they came back and they said, I was coached into this Puberty blocking, I was coached into surgery and I was too young, I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't really understand the pain of it later and now they're suing the people that coached them to make those decisions. It's a mess. I'm convinced that there's coming an entire community because we've turned the volume so loud on go for it, just do what you feel, just go for it. There's such a volume up that there's going to be a whole lot of people that are broken and hurting, detransitioning. And they're going to need a church to say, come here, we'll help you through the pain. Because we have a darkness that we would coach adolescents, children, to make decisions that you just can't take it back. We have a sexual crisis, we've got a drug crisis, we have an identity crisis, we have illicit material in front of our kids, crisis, we have human trafficking crisis, there is darkness everywhere. Everywhere you turn, there's darkness. Now, if I started, stop the message right here, you would just feel like you're watching the news, depressed, right? And maybe even your response is, you know, I mean, okay, there's a lot of darkness out there. But the reason I'm not moved to deal with that darkness is because I've got my own stuff that I'm dealing right here, and I'm fighting so hard to keep it together here. I don't have time to carry the burden for all that out there. You have the darkness of the d- depression or anxiety or unpredictable mood swings. You have the darkness of relational brokenness or the, the grip of financial pressure and yeah, Brian. I'd love to have the luxury of thinking about all these other things, but I'm just gripped right here. I'm trying to just keep my chin above water. Darkness is darkness, my friend, whether it starts on the inside or you see it on the outside. Wherever it is, what did Paul say? The days are evil. So I just wanna take a second and, and just take a look and recognize, yeah, yeah, the days are evil. But let's turn the corner and understand that the Bible is not silent, my friend, when it comes to darkness. The Bible is not silent when it comes to darkness. God is not shook up when it comes to darkness. God is not on his throne, putting his hands through his hair, saying, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do when it comes to darkness? God has something to say when it comes to the darkness. And here it is, Matthew five thirteen. You, and I'm talking to you, Keystone Church, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. God is not silent when it comes to the darkness. John chapter one, verse five. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You know what he's saying there? That light has an undefeated record against darkness. When it comes to darkness, The battle between light and darkness, light is undefeated. And all we have to do is be the light and the darkness flees. Light is never overcome by darkness. Ephesians 5, 8, for at one time you were darkness. We read this a moment ago. But now you are light. Walk as children of light. God is not silent about the darkness. God is not freaking out about the darkness. God has a plan for the darkness. God has a plan for the darkness. God has a plan for the brokenness. God has a plan for the evil in our world. And my friend, his plan is you. No one else is coming. That's right. No one else is coming. It's you, it's you. It's not the church down the street. It's not a politician in Austin. It's not a president in Washington. It's not a senator you fought to get elected. The answer is in this room. The answer between darkness and light, the answer between life and death, Is you in this room? And I've got to encourage you, Jesus changed the world with 12 disciples. What could we do with this crowd right here in two services? No one else is coming. No one else is coming. It's just us. It's just us. How do we respond to the darkness around us? What will we do? The Apostle Paul talked to this pressure he spoke to this pressure in a lot of different ways. Some Christians have turned to First Thessalonians chapter four as an answer to the darkness. And their interpretation I wanna I wrestle with. I wanna talk with you about it. First Thessalonians chapter four. The Bible says, and this is Paul, let me help you with the Bible. This is Paul talking to a church at a city called Thessalonica and so he called them the Thessalonians because they were of the city of Thessalonica. So, and then we're reading in Ephesians today, that's him writing a letter to a church in Ephesus. So these are letters, they didn't even have, Paul didn't write them with chapters. He just wrote a, a straight letter. Later they put in the numbers in the chapters so we could find the verses easier, memorize them easier. But these are letters, so it would be as if Paul wrote a letter to the church at Keystone, okay? And the letter was called Keystonians. So first Keystonians chapter three, it was a real church. Or if you don't like Keystonians, some people have called us Keystoners. <laughs> Turning your Bibles to Keystoner chapter one. Its wheel's off, but anyway. First Thessalonians is a different church than if Ephesus. What does he say to the Thessalonian Christians? Aspire to live quietly and mind your own affairs. That means mind your own business. And to work with your hands as you as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Okay, so let's wrestle with that. There's darkness all around. There's pressure. These are evil days. What do we do? Well, according to Thessalonians, some people have interpreted it, some people have interpreted it as meaning, mind your own business, church. Be quiet. Settle down. Don't spike the ball and throw a party when Roe v. Wade is overturned. Be quiet. Mind your own business. Is that what this is saying? I do not believe that's what this is saying. The Bible is consistent, and it says the same thing everywhere. You look at Ephesians. In Ephesians, he said in verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So he's saying expose them over here to this church, and he's saying hey, you need to live quiet lives, you need to work hard and mind your business. What's he saying? These sound like two different messages. They're not. They're not. They're two different churches. The church at Thessalonica was under intense persecution. They were persecuted so intensely, so that that they were very poor. Like it was hard to make a living if you were a Christian. Can you imagine inviting your friend to church? Hey, I'd love for you to come to church with me. Oh really, where do you go to church? I go to that Christian church. Uh, I don't think so. Because if you became a Christian, you were immediately persecuted. Can you imagine that? Yet the church was growing. So Paul was speaking to a group of people that had been intensely persecuted and so this church had banded together in community and, and they, had, they had learned how to survive the persecution. And Paul was instructing them and, he, and he's, this is a unique group of people and he's giving them unique instructions and he's saying to the people that have persecuted you, some of the best thing you can do rather than get up in their face and be really loud, you need to show them first with your lifestyle because they don't want to hear your words. See, so you're talking about people that if you begin speaking, it's like this is like operating in a Middle Eastern country where if the first thing you do is speak, you'll immediately be shut down, abused, maybe even killed for your faith. So he's giving them specific instructions, a missiological approach that says, "Hey, When you show up to work, if you're a carpenter and you're Christian, be an awesome carpenter. If you're a baker and you're a believer, be an awesome baker. If you're a songwriter and you are a a, a saint, you need to be an awesome songwriter. He's saying, do your work so well that that shows that there's something unique about you. And when you have an opportunity, speak. Don't be shy. In other words, he's giving them instructions on how to shine their light just as he's giving the church at Ephesus instructions on how to shine their light. And both complement one another. It's almost like Paul was talking to the church at Ephesus and the church at Thessalonica, and he was, these are both different streets in the same city. I think we have a lot more in common with Ephesus. I don't know the last time you invited somebody to church and you worried for your life or you thought maybe I'm about to get fired. I don't know that we're there yet. But I do believe this, whether you're in the Middle East in in an extreme environment with extreme persecution, or whether you are in America where we have religious freedom, understand this, God is saying through Paul, we must shine our light. We shine our light with our excellence. We shine our light with our words. We shine our light with our friendship. We shine our light with our entire being. You see, it's as if the world is, is saying to us, hey, church, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. I, I love to, I haven't been since the pandemic, but I, Susan and I love Boston. We would go to Boston and visit her brother who was in dental school there and we fell in love with the city and and we love walking up and down some of those streets in the back bay and it's just really cool. We love the North End and I love lobster rolls. I love lobster rolls and they're just better there, right? I mean, lobster rolls are so good. I'm sorry if even mentioning lobster rolls for some of you makes you go full on hutch, you know, but, (laughs) but, I love them, and one of the things about Boston is when you're walking down the streets, especially in that back Bay area, eventually you're gonna walk up and there's this beautiful, beautiful church. I mean, gorgeous architecture. I should say it's a church building, because it's empty. The church left the building a long time ago, because that church believed a proper interpretation of 1 Thessalonians four would be to retreat to circle up, get inside the walls of the church, and mind our own business. The church lost its light, and the church left the building. Now those churches are restaurants, or facades to apartment complexes, it's sad. Or if there is any congregants in those churches, it's a huddle, it's not the masses. Certainly not what we see here today. It has nothing to do with the architecture. It has everything to do with they lost their light. They lost their light, wanting to please people, wanting to make sure I don't offend anybody, wanting to make sure I don't step on any toes. They stopped speaking and exposing darkness. Listen, we are called to be the light. And that means, as he said in verse 11, take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose darkness. Them. So how do I do that? Number one, live in the light with our words. Live in the light with our words. Speak it. Expose them. How do you expose darkness? You expose it with your words. You expose it with your words. It's that thing where you see the darkness and you look at it and you say, that's not right. Do you know what I'm saying? Where you say, that's not right. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's not right. Like, come on, play along. That's not right, that's not right. There comes a thing where you just say, man, that's, that's, that's broken, that's jacked up. Spot the darkness and speak it, speak it. One of the best ways you can speak light into a dark world, simple, invite somebody to church. That is light language. Light language is I'm inviting somebody to church. That's the lowest hanging fruit, especially in this season. In this season, it's awesome. This season, we've got Christmas everywhere. We've got these five services for the thing. We've got an incredible holiday women's event. It's going to be incredible. Maybe they won't come on the weekend. Get them to the women's event. Go buy five tickets for your girlfriends and say, I bought you a ticket. We're gonna make it a girls' night out. We're gonna have a total blast. Why? Because you're trying to shine the light. Maybe you have a friend that's really in a hard place and you know they'll be encouraged here, but they don't believe you that they'll be encouraged here. You just gotta get them here. Invite somebody to church. Tell somebody about Jesus. Use your words. That's light language. You say, I don't feel equipped to to do what you do, Brandon, and tell about the Bible and tell about Jesus and all that. I've got a word for you. If you have a story with Jesus, you're equipped to share it. If you have a story of how Jesus saved your marriage, you're equipped to share it. If you have a story about how how Jesus changed your attitude and changed your mind and lifted lids in your life, you are equipped to share it. So say a good word for your church and say a good word to God. That's light language. How about some more light language? Y'all ready? If you're with me, say I am. How about some more light language? Talk to your kids about the darkness. Talk, talk, I don't think y'all got that. I would have gotten an amen. I think I got a shocked response in the the back there. (laughs) Talk to your kids about the darkness. Thank you. If you are silent as you watch and you are burdened by the world around you and you do not educate the children that are in your care that that is darkness, that is wrong, then you're leaving them to the culture who is dark to educate them and what we know about our enemy he says what is light is actually dark and what is dark oh no no it's light so if you're leaving them to their friends you're leaving them to social media you're leaving them to what they're reading or what they're seeing or what they're watching or the movies that they are watch you are totally giving up on them because the default setting in our culture is darkness The only way our children get light is we speak light, we teach light, we expose darkness. So if you see something like the Balenciaga thing, you show them, hey, did y'all see this? Okay, we're not going Balenciaga this Christmas, we're gonna go Gucci, anyway. (laughs) They're both owned by the parent company, but anyway, we'll just skip over that. Right, teach them, I don't know how many conversations like that are happening around, but teach them the darkness. Really show them, hey, did you see this? Engage. Why do you vote the way you do? Engage. Teach them the light. Show them the darkness. Speak. They won't just catch it. They won't catch it. This is one of the reasons that we are fueled to be bold as we are here at Keystone. It's for the young generation. We feel as if no one else is coming. We feel as if no one else is coming. We love the families here at Keystone that partner together in giving truth, but there's a lot of kids that are not hearing the difference between darkness and light. We've gotta be a light. Words, use your words. Number two, be different. Just be different. Some of y'all, that comes natural to you. But as a Christ follower, being in the light means you will be different. Ephesians 5.15, it says, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So if we could all just today make the choice, I choose light today. Like, I choose light. It's going to make you different. Okay? So if you agree with the culture 100%, you are not choosing light. You will at some point deviate from what's cool. I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. I'll give you an example. How do you consume entertainment? How do you watch shows? How do you watch movies? Now, I could do a whole message, and I have before, on building a biblical filter for how to watch movies and watch shows. And I'm not saying I've nailed it perfectly. But building a biblical filter, what it basically means is as you consume culture, because we all are culture consumers, you've gotta have a biblical filter and a Holy Spirit filling in your life where you're saying, God, would you show me darkness and light? No matter what you do, you're gonna have some darkness in the world because we're in the world. We're in the world. You're gonna be surrounded by darkness. Okay. You go anywhere and you're going to you're gonna be surrounded. You drive down 114, you're gonna see a billboard and it's dark. <laughs> you're like, ugh, I'm averting my eyes, oh Lord, you know. <laughs> and how do I do it? How do I teach that we should do it? There comes a point, I've taught my kids this, there's a point where you say, that's just too broken. There came a point where I was fast-forwarding all the time. By the way, I love that we can fast-forward now. But we were fast-forwarding all the time. And the, I teach my kids, they'll say, hey, have you watched this show? Have you done this, have you done that? And I'll just say, it ju- I started and it just got too broken. It's too dark, it's too much. It, it's not a mixture, it's the plate. I mean, it's the whole thing. And so I had to say no to that. And that means that I'm not in on some of the jokes. I don't know all the references at times. That's because I've chosen to be different. And that's okay. It's okay. There comes a point where you've gotta teach your kids that too. We did that growing up, even with little sweet Thumbelina. I've talked about this a million times, but even with sweet little Thumbelina, sings her little song, and we would be in our swagger wagon. Yes, I rocked the swagger wagon. That is a, uh, that's a van. And uh, the ultimate mom car, right? And we had the swagger wagon and the kids would be in the back and they'd be watching some kind of video we put in just so they would be quiet. And, And mommy and daddy could talk. And so they were watching Thumbelina and here it comes to the song. Anything is possible if you follow your heart. Anybody remember that? You've heard me say this before. If you follow your heart, and before we would say anything, they were so beaten down with us teaching them truth on this, they'd say, we know, Mom and Dad, you're not supposed to follow your heart. It's deceitfully wicked. Who could know it? Okay. (laughs) We'll wear our kids out with truth. You know why? We're wearing them out with light and life. You're gonna be a little different. You're gonna point things out. You you, you may be a little slower to embrace some things where other classmates are just flying through it. You're going to be different. Embrace that, make the choice. I'm going to live different because I'm gonna look carefully than how I walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Because I think that we believe you could have one foot in the darkness and one foot in the light. And you're kind of deciding, okay, I'm going to have this much in the darkness, this much in the light, but you, you have a misunderstanding of the nature of darkness and light. Because you cannot stand here stable and say, I'm straddling the darkness and the light and just be cool. Because you're, you're not understanding the nature of, of the darkness and the pull of the culture. And whichever side you have chosen, it carries with it its own momentum, Jesus says, I will not share my throne with anybody else. So you're either all in with me, and then over here they're saying, or you're all in with us. See, there's momentum to your decision. You're either falling into the culture or you're falling in love with Christ. You gotta make the choice. You have to choose today. Now that I told you, now you know. I ruined it for you. Now you have to choose. You have to choose. I choose light. I choose life. I choose to put on a filter. I choose to have a filter with my friendships that when the party starts going that way, I'm hasta la vista, baby. I'm choosing a filter with my, with my closest friendships that if, if they're always negative and they're always talking down authority, maybe that's not my closest friendship group. I'll just love them, pray for them, and pray that God will do a work in their life, but that's not where I'm gonna receive my friendship feeding. There comes a point where you put on a, a filter and you say, you know, I, I sense that, that this is just, or, or you're at work and, and you're just not thriving because it's just total darkness. And I would say try to shine your light, but sometimes a job change is in, is in order. We're just like, I just can't thrive here. This is not for me. God's telling me to go. You see what I'm saying? Be wise. You're going to be different. You're gonna make decisions different. There are some people that have said no to uh, promotions, because it required a move and God was telling them to stay in this church. I I didn't tell them to do that. Only God would tell somebody to do that. Why did they do that? Because they're different. Because they said, this is where my light is shining. I don't believe God has called me to another house to shine my light. We've got to decide. We've got to be different. It's so profound that in chapter five, Paul goes on and gets even more practical. In verse 18, he says, and don't be drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's talking about the difference between darkness and light. The light is being filled with the Holy Spirit. The darkness is being drunk with wine. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everyone to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, today I would challenge us all reject the darkness. If you're gonna reject the darkness, you've gotta start with your darkness. Before we see revival out there, before we see the world changing out there, there must be a revival in here. There must be a world that changes in here. There must be something that shifts on the inside so that you have something to share to the outside. So, I'm calling you awaken sleeper, awaken sleeper. Let revival happen in your heart. Let a new era of light and life be birthed here today. Activate faith in your heart. Awaken sleeper. Let the church be revived. Let the church wake up. Let the church be on fire. That the sign of what will change out there begins a massive change in here. I talked about the East Coast, Boston. One of the things about the East Coast, if you're ever visiting, You could see these beautiful lighthouses. They're gorgeous. You can take a tour in them. You can climb up the lighthouse. You can see some of them are really old and you can see how they used to do it. It's so inspiring, so beautiful. But a lighthouse was not designed to be visited by the people on land. The lighthouse was designed to be visible by the people in the water. People in the water, when it's dark, when the waves are so big that I can't see the shore and I've just got to get to shore and the waves are so big and the waves of insecurity are so big I'm just constantly conquered by this fear of other people and what they think of me and these waves are rocking me and I just, I I always shrink when God says stand because I'm just rocked by these waves of insecurity and people-pleasing people pleasing Brandon, I'm, I believe my boat hit rock, and I'm taking on water, and my family has darkness, and I see, what's, see what my kid's going through, and I see how my wife is over here crying, and I believe my, my boat is taking on water, and I'm in the darkness, and I don't know where to turn. Wherever you are, my friend, Whatever the pressure, whatever the darkness, whatever's got you down, whatever it is, and you feel like your boat is rocking and it's taken on water and it's hitting, it's hitting rock, understand this, look through the darkness and piercing in the distance there will be a light. Ultimately it's the light of Christ expressed through Keystone Church and we will shine our light like there's nobody else coming. We will shine the light. We're gonna shine the light in our schools. We're gonna shine the light in our businesses. We're gonna shine our light one family at a time, one marriage at a time, one heart at a time, one emotion at a time. Holy Spirit, would you allow us to illuminate, allow us to shine, and may it start right here. Can we just do something? Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? And I'm just gonna ask for a series of things. Just, if you're right here right now and you'd say, man, my boat is taking on water and I need prayer, would you just raise your hand? i want to pray for you right here, right now. Hand up in the air. I'm, I'm feeling the darkness and I need prayer. Just hands up, hands up. Darkness in my marriage, darkness at work, darkness, I just feel convicted over the culture. I'm just, I'm, God, I pray for these hands up. God, you see their heart behind every hand raised of misery, God, I know you want to unlock ministry. Every hand raised, God, receiving prayer right now is a hand that's holding a torch to shine into the very darkness that convicts them. Father, I pray for every person in this room that we would receive your ministry today, that we would hear your heart. And if there's anybody here today that has not yet crossed from darkness into light, not yet received Jesus, I pray today would be the day. And if that's you, would you talk to one of our pastors? If you're online, text life to the number on your screen. Reach out, we'd love to talk to you because Jesus died for your sin, conquered death to give you life. And it's simple. God, would you adopt me as your child? May I never be the same again. Father, I thank you for how you are moving in this place. And God, I pray that we would leave this room on fire. Awaken, Jesus pray, amen.